Welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and a few years ago, I started a life and business coaching company with my bestie. I'm a wife, a business owner, a coach, a speaker, and the author of the book that inspired this podcast, She Who Overcomes, Rising Out of the Ashes of Your Circumstances. I'm also training to run my first half marathon. Oh, and did I mention I'm doing all of this while overcoming a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis? It's true. And hey, if I can rise up, so can you. Each week on this podcast, I'll be here to encourage and equip you with the skills you need to rise up as the successful overcomer you were designed to be. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Hey guys, welcome back to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I've been telling you for a few weeks now that we were going to take a break from me reading you my book, She Who Overcomes. And so this week is the first week where we're doing that. And I'm so excited because we have a guest in the studio with us today. And so I'm going to give you her official two-sentence bio, and then you're going to get to meet her. Uh, Today, we have Rachel Perman with me in the studio. And Rachel is the co-founder and CFO of Big Blue Couch Coaching, She is funny, she is wise, and she tells it like it is. She is a gifted teacher who helps people recognize and change unhealthy behaviors in unique ways. She's a life coach, and she is an author, a speaker, and my favorite title is She's My Bestie. So, Rachel, welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm super excited because we haven't done a podcast together in a really long time, and being a guest... um, is something I've never gotten to do with you being the official host. I know. This is weird, right? It is a little weird, but I think it's going to be awesome. It's a little weird because normally we do podcasts together and we haven't for a couple of years. So we're a little out of practice. I don't know how many times we started and restopped. <laughs> uh, but also this is a different setup than we're used to for podcasting with yes. just how the studio is set yep. up. Uh, we're sitting at these desks that... Uh, we used to live at in our office, mm-hmm. and now they're the podcast desks. And so we're in our comfy chairs and our comfy office chairs, yes. and we've got the microphones. And we're really excited to just have a very real, maybe raw, maybe passionate, I don't know, conversation about last week's episode and just what we've learned since going through the 2012 experience. That's what I'm calling it now. Which is funny because... Um, when I was listening to last week's podcast and kind of just taking some notes and jotting things down about what I would maybe want to touch on or use to kind of just, you know, explain some of the questions I know you want to ask me. Um, I called it the theme of the 2012 season. So I called it the 2012 season, which I was like, oh, she calls it the experience. Experience? Is that what you just said? Yeah, but I think that, like, didn't Justin Timberlake have a concert that was called the something 2020 experience or something like that? Something like that. So I feel like this is kind of up there (laughs) with creativity. And I don't know, the 2012 experience sounds better than the year of sadness, doesn't it? Right. Also, I feel like the 2012 experience actually lasted into probably 2013. But it's nicer to just say one year instead of like... The sadness lasted for decades. <laughs> right. Years and years. They were walking through our morass. That's right. our new favorite word. Yes. So, okay, before we get started, just to give our listeners a little bit of an idea of who is Rachel, 
the question that I'm going to ask every guest from this point on is if you were a shoe, what kind of a shoe would you be and why? Okay, so my answer always varies depending on what I'm going through in my life. And so right now, if I had to pick a shoe, I would probably pick um, a stiletto and it would probably be in some kind of a pattern. Like I, depending on if you as a listener have watched Mandy and I, you know, build up this company together and some of the things that we've shared on social media, I have this certain pair of flowered heeled shoes. Mm -hmm. And I think right now those would be the ones that would define me the most. They're pink. um, And then they have all kinds of different colors that come through with the flowers and they're a stiletto and they're super cute, not comfy, but they're super cute. They're gorgeous. That would be my power shoe right now. And I think for me, just based on a lot of things that are happening personally and professionally, um, that would be the shoe I would go to. I like it. Thanks. I'm always a stiletto. What color depends on the day. Okay. If it's a, like today it would probably be black. I'm in comfy shoes today, but like I would pick black today, a black Mm -hmm. stiletto. Sometimes it's leopard or red or blue or who knows, but I'm always in a stiletto. Yes. Because they're classy. I usually vary between the stiletto or a heeled boot. I know sometimes one I'll pick, um, but I also like a really cute flat too. So it kind of just depends. We're both wearing comfy shoes today. We are. Which makes sense because we did some moving around the office of furniture and things. We did. So we didn't plan ahead to do that. We weren't like, we we're going to move to furniture, so let's wear comfy shoes. But I was only wearing comfy shoes because I don't like to walk in my stilettos when if I know we're playing the 90-minute parking game. Which is our life now for the yes. rest of forever. So, so then I wear flat shoes and I put on my pretty shoes when I get to the office. Yes, we we do that. So you guys, seriously, if you're like, what is going on? You're going to have to check out our Instagram uh, you can check out, we uh-huh. have three different ones. We have the Big Blue Couch one for our our company. Uh-huh. And then I have my own at Mandy B. Anderson. Let's look it up like that, Mandy B. Anderson. And then Rachel has hers. What's your, what's Rachel your name? Rachel Perman. Rachel yep. Perman. So come hang out with us. Uh, you never know what we're going to put on there, <laughs> but there's usually shoes. Yes. And, and I'm something. pretty sure you could probably even find a pair of stilettos that match both Maddie's personality and my personality depending on the day so yeah we are shoe people and so is my husband Nate like Mm -hmm. he is a shoe snob that you wouldn't know it (laughs) but he is and so he also notices other people's shoes like it's not like he really does it's not just his own shoes he just appreciates shoes in general Uh women's shoes men's shoes he just really likes shoes okay so complete bunny trail side note we were watching the made for more I think that's what it's called documentary by Rachel Hollis on Amazon. And he was totally checking out Dave Hollis's shoes (laughs) to the point where he Googled them and he's pretty sure he found them. What did he Google? Dave Hollis's shoes on Netflix documentary? He, he, I don't remember what style or color they were, but he kind of looked up the color and the style and and he found them. I mean, he found like two versions that could be it. And so... He hasn't ordered them yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they show up on a Christmas list. I have to laugh because we've actually had this happen before in a, in one of our business mindsets that we had a gentleman there that was all in with the shoes too. Yes. And he couldn't even move on to the next thing until he Googled the pair, the exact pair of shoes that he would pick out. And I'm quite sure it was a Louis Vuitton, right? It was, it was not. Yes. It was not like a cheap brand. No. It was high end. And so... 
Yeah, I like that you're going to ask this question for I, yeah, all the guests because well, it does really say a lot about a person. It does. It It's a question that we have asked for years mm-hmm. at every coaching experience we've ever done or any online coaching program like the She Who Overcomes program that's going to happen this summer. Mm-hmm. One of the ways that we get people to get to know each other is to ask this question. Yep. And if you've done any type of research and studying on personality types, Mm -hmm. the answer to the question tells you so much about a person's personality. If you know like Danny Johnson's Gems or the Four Colors uh, personality test, that kind of falls in line with that. They're Mm -hmm. very similar. They're two two different things, but they're very similar. If you know that, you can totally pick up on which personality type a person's primary is just by their answer and the color and the reason. Yep. So yep. there you go. Take that as a tip for all you people who are like, oh my gosh, that's a great idea to use. Plus, it's a great get to know you question that's mm-hmm. not doesn't feel like a get to know you question. Most right? people hate get to know you games. Um, but we have found that that question is a great one to break the ice, get to know people's personality, motivation, all the things. Yes. So for all of you who are business people and you're building your own tribe, you're building your own empire, whatever you're building... Uh, even if you just are like a manager of people and you're like, oh my gosh, I can just go take it. Yep. Take it and use it. So yep. let's dive into the actual conversation because we could go on a bunny trail for hours <laughs> on very similar this is true. things. So uh, last week's episode was my story of basically my story of cystic fibrosis and faith. Mm-hmm. And it was one that most people have not walked, nor do I uh, suggest people walk. Like, don't do that. Um, But I want to know from you because Rachel and I have actually known each other for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. We've lost count. But we met in grade school or junior high. Junior high. At a a Bible camp. That's probably not even true. I think it was the summer between fifth and sixth grade. I think so. So, but the official, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm quite sure it was that because it was the second year I went to camp. Me too. And... Were we not in the same cabin the not first year? Not the first year? year, no. Okay, so the first year I was with the other Mandy yes. in a cabin. And then the second year we is when all we together. all ended up together just by a Yeah, because the first year I was with Lindsay. Okay. That's the only person I knew. So um, so we have known each other for a really long time. <laughs> Since we were itty-bitty girls. Since we were itty-bitty. And one of the things that um, I've never hidden the fact that I had cystic fibrosis, mm-hmm. even as a kid. And so one of the things that was funny growing up is that Every every summer at Bible camp, because that's we would just meet every year at this camp, and that's how our friendship grew. Uh, every every summer, the we called ourselves the Forever Friends, mm-hmm. and um, you guys would all take turns kind of fighting over who would get to go with me to go do my treatment after dinner, so that you wouldn't have to do table scraping duty. Yes, um, it was it was actually great to have a friend who <laughs> was able to leave after you know, lunch and breakfast and dinner because you could, you know, between the three of us, we would just swap back and forth on who would go help you. I'm not even entirely sure. I guess back then we did actually need to help you because we used to you pound. Did. You yeah. would pound me. Um, I was like, what were we doing to you? And you would but just keep me company because you, you know, didn't have super cool vests like you've got we now. Did not. Um, so we would go help and get out of doing the dishes or scraping plates or whatever it was that they, you know, had us do to clean up. And, um, I think at the time, it was just so normal. Like, you always normalized um, cystic fibrosis, even as a little kid. Like, Mm -hmm. it was never something that you wanted us to be worried about. Like, oh, gosh, she's not going to make it. Or, you know, 
we only have so much time with her or something bad is going to happen. I don't ever remember you portraying it like that. I remember other people responding to you sometimes like that, but um, you did a really good job of creating as much normal around yourself as you could. Thanks. I I honestly owe that to my parents because Mm -hmm. that's how they brought me up to be. Um, Obviously, they taught me to be responsible. Like I did a video on uh, Facebook Live a couple days ago. Well, by by the time people are listening to this a couple of weeks ago and just showed my treatments and mm-hmm. they taught me to put my treatments together when I was super little, like maybe eight or nine. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure. And so um, they they really did a good job of teaching me how to do that and being responsible, but also not putting me in this bubble of having to uh, be scared of growing up or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job of that. They did. They did a fantastic job of that. And honestly, if they hadn't, you wouldn't have had the experience Mm -hmm. of being able to go to camp, being able to be away for as long as you were, because you wouldn't have known how to take care of yourself. Exactly. You wouldn't have known, you know, how to do all of the upkeep to do even to teach your friends how to help. Um, Yeah, I think I think the way that they raised you um, was so different than a lot of the people I've known now because of you that also have cystic fibrosis. Um, I don't sure if they did that intentionally or they just really wanted to have a daughter that knew how to take care of herself. But either way, like it's been awesome to see that different mindset that you had growing up from other people who also have either cystic fibrosis or some other, you know, terminal quote unquote mm-hmm. illness that they have to learn how to live with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's made you a very unique patient. Um, and a very unique story in the cystic fibrosis community as well. So what has it been like for you to have a friend with CF? And what are some of the the things even, I know you and I had uh, listened to the podcast episode from last week. Mm-hmm. We listened to it together in our mm-hmm. office. And so what are some of the thoughts and ideas that came to mind that you wrote down that you want to share? Um as to what your experience has been like having a friend with CF? Well, the funny thing is, um, this far into the game, I honestly don't even think about it a whole lot. Like, to me, you're Mandy, and you have CF just like you have brown hair. So, and I I honestly, when I think back, that's kind of always been how I've thought Mm -hmm. of you. Um, And I'm not entirely sure why. That's, That's just kind of the concept I've always had, is that this is my friend Mandy, Oh yeah, and she has CF. Like mm-hmm. it's never been like, oh, I have a friend who has CF, or I have this, that, or the other thing. It's always been you first, and then the CF comes after. It's a part of your story. Um, and so growing up, I think with with a friend that had CF, even back in the eighties, early nineties, when it was still kind of like, oh gosh, she's going to die soon, or you know, like. Is she sick and in the hospital all the time? Um, I was one of the rare people who found, were probably able to say, no, she's not in the hospital very much. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I remember, I don't remember what year at camp this would have been. We probably were pr- pretty much junior high thinking of what the answer is. But I remember you saying to us one time, I could die in a car accident on the way home. We're not even sure that CF is going to be the thing that takes me <laughs> out. Um, and I think because of that... Uh-huh. Growing up with you having CF was never like at the top of the things. I've never thought about um, like that's never been at the top of my mind to be like, oh, hey, let's plan this one trip to go somewhere. Well, that might be a problem because Mandy has to bring her treatment or Mandy has to bring this or Mandy has to bring that. It's always been an afterthought for me. 
um, probably till about 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it started to be more in the forefront. So, um, but growing up, I think it was very much like you had CF and you had brown hair. And that's that's mm-hmm. the way that I lived my life with you as my friend that way. So let's just uh, let's just talk about it. I have I have some friends who have do not have the same faith as you and I do, mm-hmm. uh, and they think that what I did was completely asinine <laughs> and not necessary, uh, and playing Russian roulette with my life. Um, I have other friends who do have faith who maybe were with me in that season, but it was very confusing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they weren't really sure what to do. Um, they I, And I have other people who were with me in that season and they, they were very, uh, they were very encouraging mm-hmm. about my faith, but they were also concerned. Right. And here's the interesting thing about you is that even when it was the worst, mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I've always appreciated about my friend Rachel is that she has done such an amazing job of modeling what it's like to support somebody and love them and be there for them, even when you're not sure that what they're doing is the right choice. Mm -hmm. Like being able to walk with somebody through their choices, no matter what your opinion was and I, I would say that sometimes your opinion flip-flopped. Like it was a <laughs> it was a very fascinating experience. And so um talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. Um, so honestly, I went into that whole season with the with the idea that if you believed that this happened, who was I to question it? Like my job as your friend was to walk beside you and however it ended, however whatever God did during that time, that wasn't my place to make the call on that. And so um, I really felt that my job was to believe you. My job was to walk beside you on whatever that was, because when it comes to healing or it comes to faith, it's very personal. So who am I to say, nope, that didn't happen? Because clearly I was so close to you when all this was going on. Something was going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was insane to watch. Um, from the outside looking in. So I can't even imagine what it was probably like to be you and being like, what, what is going on here? It was a battle. (laughs) um, Those seasons where you were able to run and you were able to do all this stuff without medication was completely bizarre. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that it took as long as it did for you to even end up in the hospital, um, it should have taken, like it should not have taken that long. It should Mm -hmm. have been much quicker for that to make an impact the way that it did, like going from 80% or whatever is your normal 80 to 90% mm-hmm. and then down to 22, like that probably should have taken a quicker route than two years for yeah, like maybe a year. I, I mean, it, it. I'm not really sure. And see, that's the thing that I think is always mind boggling to me is because the way it worked out, there was also a lot of grief and a mm-hmm. lot of things that were dying in your life or had already like we had the fire and the miscarriage and all these other things that were going on, would it have affected you differently if that mm-hmm. other, if life wasn't also going on at the same time? So right. I think it's fascinating to watch the whole, to be a part of it, but also be able to look back mm-hmm. and kind of pick out um, the things that I've learned because of it. And I think really the big thing that I learned was that when people say these kinds of things, um, it's my job to 
believe them first. I think there's always going to be personality types that tend to go in a little bit more skeptical. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I tend to go more into, well, if they say it, then until it's proven wrong, then I believe it. Mm -hmm. It might be a little bit like naive, maybe, but that's that's the way I kind of look at the human condition anyway. Like, Mm -hmm. I tend to look a little bit more like, well, you know, there is more good in the world. There are right. more good intentioned people than, you know, what social media yes. or what the news wants to portray. Um, and I think, honestly, you needed somebody in your life that wasn't family necessarily to walk beside you. And I don't know if I just woke up one day and was like, I'm going to fill this role for Mandy while she's <laughs> walking through the season. But we tell people this all the time. You've got people around you that mm-hmm. you probably don't even realize are your inner circle people, are yep. your posse. That's really all it was. We were we lived in the same town. We had grown up together and we had each other when mm-hmm. 2012 hit. That's who we had. So we clung to each other. Um, and we didn't, it's not like we, you know, interviewed each other to be like, how are you going to be as I'm walking right. through the worst seasons of my life? But those people that are around you all the time, those are your inner posse people. It's not like we just happened to find each other out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, We really chose to walk through trauma and to walk through healing um, together. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's a lot of what 2012 taught me. I mean, I had my own stuff I was going through in 2012 too, but. And and I want to have you back on the show one day to go deeper into that (laughs) from whatever point of view you want to share. Um, But that's the thing. We were both going through things in 2012 Mm -hmm even leading up to that. And uh, one of the things that I found so meaningful was when I came back in 2010 from that experience where I was claiming that I was healed and Mm -hmm. all these things and I was walking by faith, you had sent me a card. And I, it was actually, I believe it was after the fire. I think you sent me a card like a year afterward. Mm -hmm. Um, after, so it would have been March, 2011. Okay. And it, it was after the fire, we were in our new apartment in North Fargo and you had said you were the only one who made a big deal out of, Hey, a year ago you got healed. Do you remember this? I do. I don't, I would not have no- remembered that until you said it right now, mm-hmm. but I actually remember walking through Hallmark being like, yes, you told me this. what kind of card do you get somebody? I think it was almost like a get well card, wasn't it? Or like, yeah, I don't you don't survived your sickness. I don't remember because yeah. I do remember walking around Hallmark being like, what kind of card covers this? Like, what section of Hallmark should I be looking in when your your friend's been supernaturally healed and this is the anniversary of it? Right. Um, yeah. Which I, at the time, I mean, <laughs> things were looking good. They were. that Not necessarily. They weren't looking horrible on paper and in tests, but they weren't drastically Mm-mm. They weren't 2012 yet, and right. so and that would have, that would have been about the time you were. Did you run your first 5K about that same time? Yeah, uh, yeah probably about okay. two months later. Yep, is when I would have been running my first 5K, and so um, that was just one of the things that I really appreciated mm-hmm. was that you were you, you were thoughtful like that. Well, I think anytime something big happens in your life, you should celebrate those moments. I think the idea of just being able to walk by faith. Um, and the courage that it took to do that. I mean, I know you tell people all the time, don't be crazy and, and put your medicine down the toilet. But like that was such a huge act of faith to me. And that act alone, I thought was worth celebrating. 
Well, thank you. I think I think that I think there's a topic here that we're we both are like thinking, okay, we're gonna go there. Um <laughs> because I think the idea of faith, like you said, it's very personal mm-hmm. to everybody. I think also that one of the things that I've learned since then is there seems to be like in the wellness industry, in the health industry, mm-hmm. it's like there's this spectrum of it's either 100% medicine or 100% yes. naturopathic and you can't do both. And I think that's creating way more damage than anything else. And somewhere mm-hmm. in that is this expectation that God can only work through supernatural ways. Right. And I think this is the lesson that I've learned the most because I've been sitting here thinking, okay, why did I feel like I was supposed to go after this healing? Like, is that something I really wanted? Mm-hmm. Or was it this expectation that I thought other people had of me that I needed to prove? Because I remember for years growing up in in an Assembly of God environment mm-hmm. in that's the church I grew up in. I mean, we met at a Baptist camp because once we upon did. a time I was Baptist too. But yep. <laughs> and I was Baptist currently. Right. Neither one of us are Baptist now. No. But we were both Baptists at certain points of yes. our childhood. In fact, I I really like uh there is this podcast episode that you guys you gotta go listen to. It's Jay Shetty. Mm-hmm. He's like this really awesome thought mindset guy. Uh he has one of the top podcasts on like self-help. Mm-hmm. And he did an episode with Zachary Levi, who is one of my favorite actors. And the whole episode was about like uh, overcoming mental health Mm -hmm. and just his story, Zachary Levi's story of mental illness and what he's learned and how he's advocating for that. And you got to go listen to it because one of the things he says in there, he's he's an amazing man of faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one of the ways he describes it is he says, my Christian faith is way more Buddhist than Baptist. (laughs) And I love that because uh, I would say that that's kind of how mine has evolved to. Not that I'm like idolizing Buddha. That's not it. It's more of the whole loving people and judging less. Well, I think that mind-body connection, like mind-body-spirit connection, we like to think in the Western side of the world that we don't need it. And it's very much an Eastern philosophy Mm -hmm. to both health-wise and spiritual-wise, they're all connected. And we like to segment them, especially in the U.S. Like, this is your health right here in this box, and this is your spiritual life right here in this box, and this is your, you know, mental health in this box. And somehow or another, we need all, like, three different things to make those be healthy. Mm -hmm. And they can't cross over. And if they do, then it's weird. Or, like, it's not going to work. Or you can't do combos of each. And I think learning how to marry that, which I think is that Buddhist to Baptist yeah. thing. It, it yep. takes the the best things from both mm-hmm. and being able to marry them into a holistic person. Because I think, you know, growing up Baptist, growing up in Assemblies of God, growing up in the Nazarene faith, that we were there for a little while too. Um, they don't they don't teach like that. I mean, healing is a thing that happens, but it's right. even in the evangelical churches, I think it's so out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we know it can happen. I think evangelical probably crosses over into that maybe more than Baptist or I Nazarene so. or some of the other ones do that I saw growing up, especially also here in the Midwest. Right. Like growing up in the Midwest, even if you're a part of some of the faith communities that are a little more progressive, 
Um, I think concepts like spirituality and this mind-body connection, mind-body-spirit mm. connection and healing, uh, we don't like to talk about them. We don't like to touch them. We, when it happens, that's great. Um, but we don't dig too deep into no. it. Uh, and I don't know if that's the same in all areas of the country. I'm thinking not. Um, but here, we do have a hard time with those different concepts and trying to figure out is it okay if God heals with medicine? Is it not a healing if medicine is involved? Is it's it's just really bizarre when you start breaking it down. Well, and I think that's like so growing up, even in my 20s, mm-hmm. like gosh, as a teenager, I would go to these youth group meetings or I would go to different church meetings and they would have somebody there for a healing service. And not that I think that's wrong, like I think that that's a great way to feed your faith and to pray for guidance right. and to have people pray for you. However, I have gone to so many healing services in my lifetime and nothing would ever change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I'm not the one who wanted to go up for healing. I was going to ask that because you said something very poignant before. Was this an expectation? I was trying to have other people, like other people's expectations. Was I trying to make that actually happen for them? Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that wasn't... A lot of it because, Mm -hmm. you know, you going all in was kind of like, listen, I have been doing this for years. So either this is going to happen or it's not. Right. But I'm all in. Um, And, you know, we've both been with people who have had these supernatural healings, who have, you know, used the power of prayer and all of that Mm -hmm. to heal what is going on in their body. It happens. It does. All the time. I mean, Sandy Krakowski is a mentor of ours Mm -hmm. who has a book coming out now that I'm sure is going to be a New York Times bestseller. And she has been healed of cancer. Right. Like she has been healed, of, supernaturally healed of things in her life. She also has ongoing health issues yep. that... She's not been healed of every health she's issue. She's not been no? healed of everything. And I think that's one of the things that's always fascinated me about healings in the Bible is you never hear <laughs> anybody else's story down the road. After. No, nope. it's happened? always the, the initial. It's always the initial, the initial one. And there is no walking it out. And I think that's why I had such a hard time with the people who were a little bit more judgmental of how you were walking this out and what the numbers mm-hmm. looked like. Because I remember us talking about that at some point in all of those like couple of years that this was going on, that there is nothing to base this on and what does it right. look like afterwards. And I would think it's very individual. Mm-hmm. Um, based on what kind of healing happened, whether or not there's residual things that need to be taken care of with medicine mm-hmm. or with other things. I mean, mental health is right. one of the things. It doesn't always have to be physical health. Um, mental yep. health is one of those things where I have seen people be miraculously healed of depression, of anxiety, mm-hmm. and they don't ever have to be on medicine. And then I've also seen people full of faith, um, mm-hmm. But because of the different things that have happened in their brain, medicine has to be a part of it. Right. Or sometimes medicine makes it worse. Yep. I mean, it's crazy um, to put such a box around what does healing look like mm-hmm. and how does this work when we literally have no idea. And I think it puts this huge guilt mm-hmm. and shame on people and maybe even sometimes condemnation on people that they have the faith. I mean, it says faith as small as a mustard seed. They have the faith. Mm -hmm. And I think back to all the times where I sat somewhere and I was like, you know what? I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm healthy. All these things. And somebody would come up to me and be like, you need to go get prayer for healing. You need to go up there. Was it just assumed that you would, if there was a prayer service, you had to go up? Pretty much. And I mean, I, I, 
don't know why. And it was never assumed by my husband. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even assumed by my parents. Um, But there were other people in my life Mm -hmm. where it was assumed. And I I think it just became such a focal point Mm -hmm. of my faith that I felt like there was something wrong with me. Right. Um, You know, like thinking that you don't have enough faith if that Mm -hmm. If, if you're not being healed, that actually takes away all of God's sovereignty and his. Exactly. It, it yeah. takes away all of his glory. Mm-hmm. It it puts it on you. Right. Because there's something that you did wrong. Right. So that's. And honestly, we see this all the way. Like if you read through certain parts of the Old Testament and the New mm-hmm. Testament, this was happening way back then. Right. Um, Because they would ask Jesus, like, what did this guy do to deserve this? Or what did his parents do? Because that. Then they really did believe that the sins of the father, the sins of whatever, were heaped upon the children. And so they would ask, even back Mm -hmm. then, like, what did this guy do to not get healed or whatever? And oftentimes, they didn't ask for it. And Jesus Mm -hmm. would just, you know, put mud on their eyes or do whatever it was that he was doing. Um, But I think this is something we've wrestled with. The human people or you know, the human population has wrestled with this, I think, for the entire time we've been on planet Earth is, you know, what is this? Why do some people get healed and some people don't? And healed meaning, you know, anything from mental to emotional right. to physical meaning healing. The symptoms are gone. Yep. You don't have the struggles anymore. You don't necessarily have to take the medication, all yep. that thing. But what I have learned, and I never did this beforehand. I didn't ever resent my treatments mm-hmm. or the medicine, but I never thanked God for the medicine either. Mm-hmm. Like, I just didn't think about it. And since then, I've been very thankful for the medicine because I realize what what it's, what given, it, you. What it's yep. given me. And at the same time, I think that you know i've I've been in the the wellness industry, not the health industry, but the wellness in, or not the healthcare industry, but the wellness industry with different, uh, I guess you could call them nutraceuticals, mm-hmm. where you know. There's all these people that want to pimp their products to you (laughs) saying, oh, you have CF. You should take this. You should take this. You should take this. And I'm thinking. Sometimes it's not even products. Sometimes it's just some random thing they Googled and they're like, have you considered this? Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. You were always so gracious when people (laughs) come to you with crazy things. Except that you're like, you mean me as like me in general or just people in general? You in general. Like later we we are like, I can't believe that actually happened. But when when they do come up to you saying like. Have you considered doing this thing? Um, well, I think the thing that we <laughs> we have to be snarky, snarky and laugh at the most is when somebody once told me that if I just changed my diet, uh-huh. cystic fibrosis would go away. And I looked right. at them. And I think there was something about apple cider vinegar. Too. I don't know. I think there was, there was a whole bunch There's of There's a crazy. lot of different things where it's like, no, you guys, this is a genetic disease. <laughs> like literally in my genes, not in my right. tummy. Like, now- are there things I can eat that will mm-hmm. make it better, that will make my immune system stronger? Yes. Are there things I can take and do that, along with my medicine, will actually make me healthier just as a human right. being because your that's how bodies health, work? Your yes. gut health, I totally believe your mm-hmm. gut health, your brain health, all of that all correlates together. It does. But like, she was literally like, you're going to cure your CF if you just eat Yeah, she better. looked at me. It was weird. I was thinking to myself, you don't really know which disease you're talking about. And this was years ago. Mm -hmm. But still, it's like, you guys, those of you who are in the wellness industry, you got to take a step back and realize that, A, not everybody is looking for a solution for their genetic disease. Mm 
uh, you need to lead with relationship first. Yep. Like if we can give you any type of business tips in this <laughs> podcast, because from That's time it. to time we will, that would be it. Because I have done this myself. I've burned bridges because I was trying to get people on on a product that mm-hmm. I still take and still sell to this day. But uh, it's one of those things where I've learned a lot of how not everything works for every person. <laughs> and yep. there's nothing wrong with marrying good, healthy nutrition and good, healthy exercise habits with medicine like that and having faith that God's word is going to be true, that he's going to give you a long life, that he's going to walk you through your Mm -hmm. circumstances. Like all of his promises in the Bible are still yours. That doesn't mean that it's without other things. Right. Well, we're also on this side of heaven. Mm hmm. And there is a a suffering aspect to all of our lives. And so this idea that everything we're born with, we somehow get to get out of, seems a little Mm -hmm. far-fetched sometimes, where it's like, yes, yes, it happens, but is that what we should be asking for? Because, you know, you've always talked about the things that you did get healed from and, Mm -hmm. you know, your fear of dying from CF, your fear of how it might end, your fear of all kinds of things. Um, is really what you got healed from. And I I think being healed from your fear is just as important as being healed right. from a physical ailment. Because, you know, when you think about that mind-body connection, what fear was doing to your brain was probably worse than what CF was maybe doing to your body. Exactly. And I think we forget that those things are just as important and mm-hmm. what we learn. Um, I don't know if I know anybody else that has done what you did necessarily to have it be like, oh, no, that didn't actually work. Um, but there were moments when it did, there were moments Mm -hmm. where there was miracles happening. Um, and I think there's so much uniqueness to your story that we can really see this beautiful marriage of, you know, using the medicine that, that has been created along with, you know, the faith to know that there were some things that I was healed of. Mm -hmm. That's not going to show up on medical documentation, but I know that I know that I know that I was healed of these things mm-hmm. because I don't deal with them anymore. And it's well, because of that season. And just the faith to know that uh, that wasn't how my story was going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I was, I wasn't so sure in 2012 in the hospital. Not, not many of, at I least mean, that first week. I think, I think for me, like once you got into the hospital, it was the first time I kind of let myself even think this could be where it's going. But even then, I still was like, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think of all the things that God has told you about your future, about the dreams that you have, and the things that were coming to fruition during that time alone. I'm like, I don't think this is the end. I didn't know what you were going to have to deal with coming out. Right. Me neither. Um, Like whether or not, you know, oxygen is going to be a part of your life and the diabetes and all of these things that that could have been your new normal. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, well, we'll figure that out then. And then that's her new normal. And I think um, I think that's something you've done for me as well. When I've gone through those same, I don't have a physical ailment that I was born with, you know, like you mm-hmm. do for CF, but I've gone through a lot of um, the mental health side of it. And we'll figure out what the new normal is. Mm-hmm. It's been something that I think we've done well as friends for each other. Like mm-hmm. whatever your new normal is, we're going to walk it out together. So I think for me, that season taught me how to have that kind of compassion and that kind of empathy to be like, you know what? I don't know what this is going to look like, but I'm here for the long haul no matter what. Mm-hmm. So, And I think it's so important to have people like that in your life. Mm-hmm. Like I was, um, I was talking to a friend last year 
about about this season. It, it happens to be a friend that thinks I was completely crazy. And you know what? He's not wrong. Um, it was crazy. In fact, this is it the was thing. crazy. It was. Yep. And, and that's why I tell people, don't do what I did because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's really dangerous. And that was something I was always very cognitive of during that time is how do I tell people what's happening and have them not follow in my footsteps because this this might not end well mm-hmm. for e- anybody. Yep. And one of the things, like I remember coaching with Sandy Krakowski. I'll come back to this story with this friend. But I remember coaching with Sandy Krakowski in 2010 to 2011 when all this was happening. Mm-hmm. And I was asking her something. I think I asked the question of, did you ever feel like a hypocrite <laughs> when you were going through this? Yep. Because like, that's what I was struggling with is like, how do I tell people my story? But I'm not even sure what my story is yet because it looks weird. <laughs> like it's not adding up. And we're I don't... not at the final chapters and this looks really messy. <laughs> right. And I don't want to lead anybody astray, yep. but I know what my convictions are. And so... One of the things she told me is she knew somebody who was praying for a healing like I was of a totally different disease, went off all of his medication and he died. Mm. And that that is the very, that could have been my story. Yep. And and the fact that it's not, that's the healing right there. Mm-hmm. Like the healing that for I real. have today the is the healing. The fact that you survived, mm-hmm. the fact that you've bounced back from 22% lung functions, the fact that you A, didn't qualify, but also B, didn't need Mm -hmm. a lung transplant. Like to me, that the 2012 season, like even starting with the 20, you know, was it 2010 when you actually flushed him down the toilet? Yep. I think that was all the lead up to what was going to be the actual miracle of you surviving. Is that I'm still here and I'm going to run a half marathon. Like that's crazy (laughs) crazy. But one of the things I was telling this friend of mine a year ago, when I was kind of explaining this, I didn't say the whole story yet, but um, I was just saying, you know, one of the things I really appreciated about my husband was that he was my rock Mm -hmm. through that whole season. Like you and my husband were, and and, uh, Madison, my other bestie, the three of you were like the people constantly lifting me up Mm -hmm. and letting me lean in and just be real. Whether that was I needed to cry, I needed to storm the gates of heaven with my prayers, whatever it was, you were there for me. And one of the things that I think you never know in friendship or in marriage, and and not that you take vows in friendship, but in a marriage, you don't really know if each spouse fully means the Mm -hmm. in sickness and in health vows. Like I think just vows in general. Just vows in general, but specifically those ones. Like you don't really know what they're going to be like, should they need to walk out the in-sickness vow? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? Right. And when it comes to friendship, there are no vows. No, but there are kind of sometimes, there's unspoken vows. There's unspoken vows. I mean, you and I have a you jump, I jump phrase that we say all the time, and it's totally from Titanic. But um, we that has played out in more ways than we realized oh, yeah. it should. The innocence of what we said that day of the you jump, I jump class has been way bigger yes. <laughs> than what we thought. And it saved us from so many bad choices. Completely. Just having that. And I'm pretty sure we said it back in 2012. Oh, I feel like that was about up, that same, that yeah, same season. That's probably yeah. when it started. But uh, before I got sick is when it started. But um, that's the thing. Like, you don't really know who's going to be there for you in those dark seasons Mm -hmm. where you're hanging on by a thread. Right. And 
that's and that's one of the things that so many women come to us about is like how do you create these long lasting friendships? And I think I think too that there are men who want friendships like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it plays out a little bit differently, or they use different words. But in reality, I think we all need those people yep. who are there for us no matter what. Yep. And I swear they don't show up until we've gone through something together. Ooh. Because honestly, for me, like. Um, the thing that you talked about with Sandy and, you know, mm-hmm. feeling like a hypocrite and all of that. Um, I have a very similar story in healing when it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to. It wasn't a physical healing, but like I was sure that my first marriage was going to be healed. Mm-hmm. I was sure that and there were moments I was too. I, there were moments that it looked like that. Mm-hmm. And about the same time that you were going through this. Um, we were going through a very healing season of our marriage at that point. What I was dealing with during 2012 was um, I was pregnant with our third child. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of postpartum. I had depression while I was pregnant. So for me, it was very dark mentally. But what I had been praying for and like my miracle and my healing that I had been very vocal about and very public about was my marriage. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk a whole lot back then about, you know, the things that had happened while I was trying to bring babies into this world and the darkness that happened around that. Um, But for me, like that healing did not come at all uh, how I thought it was going to. So if you don't know my story, that first marriage was not healed. Mm -hmm. Um, And we ended up divorced and the divorce was finalized in 2017. Um, And that idea of how do I, how do I, (laughs) A, first of all, not look like a complete hypocrite mm-hmm. because the healing didn't come the way that I had claimed it was going to. Um, and what's the bigger picture? Mm-hmm. Like, where where is the actual miracle mm-hmm. in what I went through? And for me, like, it's been it's been the miracle of, you know, me being restored. Yep. Um, and I'm still walking through this. We're only two years out. There's still a lot of things that, that I'm walking through. But... Um, that's not what I thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. For, and if you had asked me back in 2011, 2012, 2015, um, I was still quite sure that God was going to, you know, pull through and he was going to heal my ex-husband. He was going to heal our issues that we had been having, um, that he was going to be able to do all of this stuff. And I was going to have this amazing marriage story mm-hmm. that I got, that my marriage got healed. And because mine did, you can do the exact same mm-hmm. thing. Uh, it didn't happen like that turns mm-hmm. out just like for you. And I think we both had this thing of how do you share this when you're walking through those, those seasons where you mm-hmm. don't know what the ending is going to be yet? Because I was very cognizant of the things that I was doing with celebrate your man, mm-hmm. which was the content I was coming up with at the same time that you were going through your healing for yep. CF and like some of the books that you wrote during that time you're very much aware of what you want to say because you don't want to send anybody else astray and you don't want to say like things that would set them up to have their faith shattered. Mm -hmm. And I, that was something I was so aware of at that time. I still kind of struggle with it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm much better now um, than even a year ago of what does hypocrite look like when it, what the story you were saying Mm -hmm. isn't the story ending. Right. That you were professing it was going to be. Right. And it's, I I think that's one of those things, though, that so many people deal with. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had conversations with a handful of women who are going through some mental health type things Mm -hmm. where they feel the same pressure I did of, well, 
something must be wrong with me if yep. I'm not being healed of this and yep. all this stuff. And it's not them. Like they, they, they've mm-hmm. come to terms. Most of them have come to terms with the fact that they have to be on some medicine yep. or they have to do these things, but it's just this, this idea that, um, you know, other people have expectations <laughs> right. of what faith looks like or what faith should be. Mm-hmm. And so it's really fascinating to be on the other side of that and to realize God uses everything. Right. Well, and I think for any of us, whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, relationship healing, um, what it looks like on the outside is never what's going on on the inside. And mm-hmm. I think trying to explain that to well-meaning people, whether it's family or friends or whoever, um, and justifying the choices that you had to make, mm-hmm. that was that was extremely difficult. And I know you had to do that a lot in 2012, explaining to people why you did what you did, or you know, mm-hmm. you would just make the choice to not have those people around anymore because right. a simple answer wasn't working and they were constantly maybe picking at that or causing fear or causing doubt. And having those people around you when you're walking through those things, you don't know who they are. Mm -mm. You won't until you're walking through those seasons. And then you kind of look at the rubble afterwards and you're like, oh, well, this person's not around anymore and this person's not around anymore. Like, I've seen that happen Mm -hmm. um, in my divorce. I've seen that happen when I got remarried. Like, the people you think are going to be your people often aren't. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to walk through your own feelings with that, but... I think more than anything, like as I'm thinking of people listening to this, especially the people that maybe don't have the same faith or Mm -hmm. don't believe in God, like they're probably, maybe they're not even listening or maybe they are and and they're like, well, what do you expect? Like that was a dumb idea. Right. Um, What do you think is the takeaway for people in those circumstances? Like what do you think they could gain from these stories? (laughs) Um, I think honestly, we all have that spiritual connection in us. We're spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't matter if you're under the Christian faith, if you're more Buddhist than Baptist, if you're not even sure, you know, really what you believe when it comes to faith. We all we are all creatures with a spirit. And so I think with people who have a hard time with faith, what they can learn from this is it's not as scary as they maybe think it is. Like losing control for once in your life is not necessarily a bad thing. And I think when those, because I, I, when you know, when those certain personality types that tend to be a little bit more um, critical tend to be a little mm-hmm. bit more like, show me the numbers. We need all the types to make a world. We do. Um, But I think something that they can learn from a radical story like this is sometimes it's okay to completely change your life upside down and not Mm -hmm. know what the next step is going to be, not know what the ending is going to look like. But having that, that just, we have a client that calls it knowing it down in your knower. Yes. When those moments happen, and I think they happen for people, no matter what personality they are or what faith they have to make a jump, make a change, do something. I would hope that these stories are ones that, that you can say, well, Mandy did it and look what happened. Rachel did it, look what happened. Sandy mm-hmm. did it, look what happened. Maybe the endings aren't what we thought they were going to mm-hmm. be, but I wouldn't trade what I decided to do for anything because mm-hmm. who I am on this side of it was worth fighting for, was worth looking crazy for, was worth um, taking the leap of faith for, not knowing how I was going to jump. Oh, I like that. I like that point of view because I feel the same way. Like I wouldn't go back and change anything. Mm-hmm. And I know you've been asked that. Uh-huh. I wouldn't because what it cost me was my, 
fear mm-hmm. and my pride. And I'm way more empathetic now than I ever used to be because I used to kind of feel like um, I, I used to kind of be like people just need to get over their stuff. <laughs> like you just you just need to get over it. Right. It's time now. And I've been through things that have been hard to get over. Mm-hmm. And I've been through things that have uh, that have forced me to be at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And when you're at rock bottom, it is filled with a lot of emotions mm-hmm. and a lot of darkness. And there's beauty in that. Like there's beauty in the ashes. And and I'm really thankful for all of the ashes that yep. I've been through. Um, and I'm thankful for the beauty that's on the other side of it. And so I think for the people that are listening who don't really identify with our faith at all, one of the things you can learn from is just that people's stories matter mm-hmm. um, and that learning how to love somebody when they're going through something that you don't understand is a huge skill mm-hmm. and a gift to that person. Right. And I think even just building the faith in yourself, mm-hmm. like a lot of this really taught us how strong we actually yes. are, what kind of choices we can make and actually walk out the consequences to good or bad. Mm-hmm. And I think learning to trust yourself, learning to trust your instincts, to trust um, the things that you know that you know, mm-hmm. um, I think you only learn those when you go through moments mm-hmm. like what we've gone through in 2012. And, you know, for me going into 2017, that was such a lead up. That was like years. Right. And it's the same for you. Like 2012 happened because 2010 happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, 2017 started already in 2015 and mm-hmm. 2016 was the separation. Like these things don't happen overnight. And I think right. that's the power of the story of what you can learn from somebody just knowing what they've gone through and being able mm-hmm. to listen. I think it spurs creativity. I think it spurs faith. I think it spurs trust in yourself. And th- those are concepts anybody can use and needs to have as a part of their life, whether they are um, all in with the Christian faith or they're not really sure. Mm-hmm. And I Or think, they do something completely different. And I think also learning to be your own advocate when it comes to health. Oh, gosh. Learning, yes. learning how to listen to your body <laughs> when you're going through things is important. Mm -hmm. And I would not have learned that any other way. Me neither. And I honestly just had to do this for myself because I was ready to get off of my, um, because I had to be on medication once I left the marriage. There were things like once your fight or flight stops working Mm -hmm. in overdrive all the time and and you have to learn how to life as as a healthy human, sometimes you can't without some medication. Mm -hmm. But I was ready to get off of it before my doctor wanted me to. And I had to advocate for myself to do this. And honestly, I've been off it for about a month where I've been on nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, this has probably been a month where personally and professionally, I could have gone backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've had moments like this where it's been like, okay, let's go back to eating Oreos and working only three hours at a right. time and putting our sweatpants on. But honestly, I think because of how clear my brain is right now, because I knew it was the right time to get off of the medication I was on, um, I'm I'm going through it much healthier mm-hmm. than I ever have before because I only needed it for a short amount of time. But my doctor wanted me on it mm-hmm. longer than I was. Um, and I think learning how to trust that and learning how to advocate for yourself. And honestly, I mean, working through um, with women that have gone through domestic violence, with some of the things from my mm. own story. Wow, learning how to tell the truth 
learning how to advocate for advocate for yourself when other people are saying, nope, that's not going to work. Wow. Is that a skill mm-hmm. that you only learn in moments where you have to? You're mm-hmm. the only one who can. Yep. So I think that's a great spot to end at. Um, okay. I want to thank you, Rachel, for being a guest on this podcast. Uh, you guys, she's going to be a, a frequent flyer on, <laughs> this, on the Swoo podcast, uh, the She Who Overcomes podcast. So thank you so much for sharing uh, all of your thoughts and for sharing a little bit of your story. And one one day I'll have you back to share even more of it. And for those of you listening, I, I do want to remind you that we have the summer coaching program that is happening virtually online as well as a few spots in our studio every week over the summer that starts in June. And so you can learn all about it and grab your spot if you go to bigbluecouchcoaching.com forward slash SWO. I I will be teaching that program with Rachel, actually. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be together for six weeks online. Four of them will include a live audience in our studio for the teaching uh, for the classes And so you can get all the details again at bigbluecouchcoaching.com forward slash SWO. Until next time, may you be blessed, be healthy, and be inspired. We will be back with another episode for you next week. For now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that means the world to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, go to bigbluecouchcoaching.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram under Big Blue Couch Coaching. A shout out to my hubby, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. And most importantly, I hope that you found something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.